Can you say a dozen? A dozen. That's the number of episodes that we've done. A, a dozen. dozen episodes. Twelve. Twelve tribes of Israel. Twelve tribes of Israel. Um, when I was a boy, I, I ate uh, five dozen eggs every morning so that I could get large. But now that I'm a man, <laughs> I eat twelve dozen eggs. So I'm roughly the size of a barge. Shout out Gaston. Is that that's that's a Snow White? No, what is yeah, that? that's Snow White. Yeah, what is Gaston? Oh no, it's Beauty. Gaston's Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know why Disney right. I think that's pretty manly. Was that uh? Was that Toy Story? <laughs> All right. Carl, have you ever heard uh-huh. someone say? Mm. Hey, Mm-mm. Carl, mm-hmm. the way that you're talking to me right now, oh, it's not very becoming. You know, only okay. God can judge me. Oh, have you ever heard that? The God tone. Or or have you ever heard someone say to you, and this is straight out of Scripture, so they got to be right, right? Mm. But you Take start saying some of them, you say, hey, hey, you know, John Doe, uh, the way that you are uh, treating your wife, it's not, it's not godly. And they say, hey, you know what the Bible says? Judge not, lest you be judged. Yeah. I mean, that's the scripture. How do you argue with that, right? Yeah. That's crazy that you would say that. It's like almost sensitive because if certain people hear that, they'd be like, have you been talking about this? But anyways, no, it's interesting you bring that up <laughs> because it's, that's so complex. But it's not at the same time. It's very simple. And let's talk about that. Really? Just yeah, to what, set it what up. What is our responsibility yeah. as believers as it, when, yeah. when we are speaking with one another does that mean judgmental language or judgmental tones is off the table because of what the Bible says? Wow. Set it up right. for us. Well, first, yeah, we're going to have to look at that passage, and we're going to look at a number of passages. But I think Matthew 7, that passage specifically, is super famous, mm. well-known, and often quoted. Even by people who don't even know God, people who say that they don't even believe God exists, they will use that passage to kind of put Christians in uh, a, like an arm bar, a submissive hold of sorts, in terms yeah. of debate. Put them on the D. Yeah, and they're like, oh, shoot, uh, and they're being defensive, and they're like, well, uh, well, you see, and they don't know what to do with that passage because people don't really understand what that passage means because they only say half of it, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, two things. Number one, I like, want us to like remember. 10% of it. Yeah, I want us to remember that we're on the same team. Number one, we're on the same team because God, uh, 1 Corinthians 5 tells us that God judges the, those who are outside the church. But mm-hmm. we we judge those who are within the church. So oh. we know that we're supposed to judge one another. Oh, yeah, 1 Corinthians 5. Look that up. Fact check. Right? We know that we have this responsibility to judge one another. But the problem is we don't know how we ought to carry mm-hmm. that responsibility out. And so Matthew 7 actually, interestingly enough, addresses that tension and gives us practical steps to take to put ourselves in a position to judge other believers in a way that's biblical. I don't know why I'm holding my hand like this, but it just seems like super measurement-like, okay? This is a measurement. Okay, whatever. Anyways, so when we look at Matthew 7, let's just go there. All right. And yep. this is editing magic, right? Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it should be measured to you again. And why beholdest you the mote that is in your brother's eye, which is like a tiny little speck of wood, but mm-hmm. considerest not 
the beam that is in your own eye, which is like a plank or a huge piece of wood. Okay. <laughs> you hypocrite. This is Jesus talking, by the way. And you can check the context on your own listener at home, right? But Jesus is dropping some knowledge here about how we ought to judge one another. So this is the highest authority, okay? So he says, you hypocrite. First, cast out the beam out of your own eye, and then shall you see clearly to cast out the mote out of your brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, Neither cast you your pearls before a swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. So we're going to stop right there because there's some other good things associated with that. But Jesus just straight up tells us that, number one, be careful when you're judging people. Matter of fact, don't judge people that you be judged not. So our first inclination is mercy. Like when we see mm-hmm. someone who ought to be judged, we're like, oh, that looks evil. That looks wrong. I disapprove. We should stop first stop be like, hold on. God's looking at me and he disapproves also. Mm-hmm. So if I overlook their error, I'm hoping that God will see my mercy, respect that, admire that, acknowledge that is a better way to put it, and then show me mercy, Right. And there's lots of biblical evidence for that there. We won't go into it, but that's a truth claim that I'm making. And so if the Lord loves that, if mercy triumphs over judgment, James 2, then how does that work? Well, Jesus tells us, first, with that mindset of mercy, I need to understand that God is watching me. And so if I'm holding others to a certain measurement or standard of judgment, then I need to know that that is going to be applied to me also because I'm being a judge. And judges Mm -hmm. are qualified to judge because they themselves respect and adhere to the law. Mm -hmm. And they do so at a standard which is higher than anyone else. That's why they're considered worthy to judge others according to that standard in law. And so Jesus (laughs) is the judge. He is the only one who has come and lived according to the standard of the law. No one else could do it, and that's why he had to do it. And because he lived according to the standard of the law and fulfilled the law by perfect love, dying on the cross, completing that perfect work that the Father sent him to do, he rose again triumphant over sin and death, and we're like, yay! And we walk in his ways, which is love, which is the fulfillment of the law. So by our love, by our desire to please the Lord, by his strength and his spirit, we walk in accordance with the law, which is love. With that picture in mind, understanding that God's going to judge me according to my standards, then I don't want to judge others according to my standards. But there are standards that have been given. And so if I would judge someone according to that first, I apply it to myself. Then, once I'm clear and clean by the law, this law of liberty and mercy, the law that sets free, when we look at this passage, it's just so awesome because it's just so simple. Listen, yeah. look at yourself first. Get rid of that giant plank in your own eye. The point that we know is that this person's vision is obstructed. They check themselves first, and once they remove the obstruction, they carefully, with empathy, having been judged themselves, judge the other for their benefit and their good, 
which is to remove the obstruction from that person's eye that they also may see clearly for your benefit as well. Why? Because we're on the same team. When the judgment starts at the house of God, when we judge one another according to the judge's only righteous requirements for each other's good and benefit in Christ Jesus, then that's love. Yeah, and I, I think that the the problem with, with, with misquoting this passage, and mm. it, it's funny because all you have to do when you read judge not lest she be judged mm. is just read the following four verses and you, you get a you get a grip of what Jesus is actually saying, like you were just saying. But we could do the same thing. I could just take the very last part out of context and say, you know, the Bible says you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye, and that means we should just be judging people all over the place, <laughs> right? And people would say, well, didn't you read all the all the verses prior to that? You know, so it's like it, you got to take those two verses, and that's what the Bible says. Look at what it says in between, and it gives us instruction, but it doesn't say... Now, don't judge anyone, but it says, here's what you need to do so that we can rightfully mm -hmm. and justly mm -hmm. instruct someone uh, uh, along the path of righteousness, which is um, which is a big, big part mm. of living Shema, because it is about self-examination. Yes. And then it is about proactive, That's courageous right. That's confrontation right. That's right. Uh, in a search to bring yourself and others into a lifestyle of holiness. That's right. And, and confrontation, that conflict being iron and iron, cling, clang, mm -hmm. clang. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay, right? The only focus I have on myself is, am I sinning? Am I a sinner? Do I need to be cleansed? Yes, Lord. Okay. Whew, now I'm fit for service unto others, even unto God. Right? And that love is demonstrated in loving other people. And so look at what you should do after it's clear that a person is not going to receive your words. It says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you? Whom it, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And you go, what? And he goes on talking about how this is the way of the kingdom of heaven. And this is a hard path. Like people look at this, and they just overlook it. They're like, nope, that's not what I want to do in my life. <laughs> okay, straight, straight and narrow is the way, right? Few, right? Of eternal life. Few there are that find it. But when we look at it, it's not just a random add-on about prayer. It fits in. And the way we know this fits in is that we're talking about judging people. We're talking about sharing the righteous requirements of God's that we ourselves are subject to out of reverence of him and his holiness and the holiness that we've been called to partake in. And then we see someone falling short of that. And so out of love, we encourage them in truth. And mm -hmm. they reject it. So what do we do? We pray for them. And we ask. And you know what? God's going to give us what we ask for. Because that excerpt there, you'll find that actually a much more detailed account of that example or that word or that argument he's presenting where he's talking about when, the reasoning he's giving about uh, us being evil and giving good gifts to our children. So God's good. Of course, he's going to give good gifts. But the work and the labor is 
intercession on behalf of others. If you look at that, it's Luke 11. and Luke chapter 11, Jesus is talking about prayer, receiving bread, and it's not for ourselves, but it's to give to others. And so we want, we want people to be given the bread of life, even Jesus Christ. And when they're given that bread of life, when they receive that, you know what they do? They walk in his ways and in righteousness. I, I think this, this has a lot to say about where even your heart is right. when you are when we are correcting right exactly you know what what is the, what is the purpose of of taking a speck out of someone's eye what mm-hmm. is the purpose of judging someone mm-hmm. judging them in, or correcting them whatever word you want to use mm-hmm. but when the purpose is to um, bring ourselves to a higher level to feel better about uh, our st- our standards of holiness over theirs or our way of life over theirs or whatever it might be. Um, that is when I think rightfully we need to be told you shouldn't be judging someone because we really shouldn't <laughs> if that is the status of our heart. But what you just described within... Um, with even just in this in this famously misquoted passage, but if you just read wow. down to verse twelve, we can see yeah. that when, when your heart is yearning for the 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 best for your brothers and sisters who you are correcting, when your heart is yearning for the kingdom of God and to see the kingdom of God be played out in their lives, then when we correct, when we judge, God says that He's going to listen to that and answer that and and push these people towards that holiness that we are trying to push them right. towards right. as well because we are doing that um, as an ambassador for God rather than an ambassador for our own ego. So on our way to First John 5th chapter, and he says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So this goes back. This is First John is awesome commentary of the Gospel of John, basically. And so there's this awesome conversation that takes place between Father God and God the Son, okay? And the Son is doing the talking here. But he talks about asking that God would keep us through him, and that he would sanctify us, that is to take us out of the world and bring us unto himself in a way that's acceptable by this transformative work of his word, right? Sanctify them by your truth, your word your is word truth, is true. right? And it's like, yes, all right. But we know that it's all, for his namesakes, it's all on him. The work is all on him, and he's doing it. He's faithful to work it, complete it, until the day of Christ, right? He's going to perform it to the day of Christ. But let's go to that sanctifying, that transforming, that changing piece, right? We're mm-hmm. waiting on Jesus, but while we're waiting on him, there's a change that's taking place, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a change that's happening to us all together, and what's exciting is that God is using us to bring that change about in one another. To one another, yeah. To and you one you another. brought up Proverbs twenty seven seventeen mm-hmm. um, just in passing. You didn't quote the thing, but mm. as iron sharpens iron, yeah. so one person yeah. sharpens another. Yeah. But when when we 
we're thinking about what we do to change each other. And as iron sharpens iron, it's crashing and it's bashing and it's smashing. But the point of iron sharpening iron is that both of those pieces are changing one another for to become a better instrument. That's right. A better instrument for what it, the purpose is. That's but right. But here's one thing that I don't. I think that a lot of people don't mm. think about is that if we take that analogy to the extreme, what an uncomfortable, uh, <laughs> painful experience. Mm. Yeah. You know, to to be sharpened by another person, to have bits yeah. of you taken off forcefully. Yeah. 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 And and yeah. but that's at that's the heart of it that. That is the relationship that brothers and sisters in Christ need to have with one another, yeah. that we are willing to put each other into uncomfortable, sometimes even painful situations in which pieces of us are falling off because of what we are saying and doing with one another in order to create one another into a, a more perfect, useful instrument for our purpose and what are what is our purpose it's for it's god's glory and perfect meaning complete right yes sometimes we've kind of left that we left that so like yeah that transformation what great breakdown brother so now we can move confidently into this prayer piece if the work is all on jesus and he finished the biggest promise which was paying for sin and right so if he's done that and he's risen again from the dead so we can have confidence of even eternal life then I can trust that God will bring that work to its finished result, which is us being like Jesus and seeing Jesus as he is, being mm-hmm. changed and fit to be in his presence and for his service mm-hmm. forever and to enjoy his glory without dying, right? So, I mean, this is that's what's awesome about it. But while it's happening and we're living together, and, and, and it's hard because we're still, we're being changed. We're being perfected. So that mm-hmm. means, like you said, there are things that need to be knocked off. And mm-hmm. that's where it's faithful are the wounds of a brother, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Of a friend. Yeah. But mm-hmm. hey, the words hurt us. But the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. And many, they come up and they say all these flattering mm-hmm. words before they, they sting you, stab you, hurt you, kill you, steal from you. How do we know where the line is? And what? How, how do I know what to say to somebody? Once again, the word gives us the steps, right? The steps. In verse 16, if any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, mm-hmm. he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that you shall pray for it or he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not unto death. We know that whatsoever or whosoever is born of God sinneth not, that is to sin continually. But he that is begotten of God, that is to be born again by faith, keepeth himself, and that wicked one touches him not. Why? How do we know that? Well, we go back to John 17. We know that it's the Lord who keeps us. John 10, it's the Lord who keeps us in his hand. Jude, the end of Jude, it's God who keeps us from falling. So we trust Jesus and he takes care of the rest. We just abide in his word. Boom. He handles business. But when we see a sin that leads not to death, that means I can't look at the law of God and say, this is the obvious works of flesh, like sarcasm. I can't look at someone and say, sarcasm is sin. Mm-hmm. Yes, it literally means to tear the flesh. We gotta be careful. But sometimes sarcasm really builds up, and you can be really creative with it. So I can't tell a person that you sh- you shall not use sarcasm because God hasn't said that. Now I'm a lawgiver. 
Look at James 4. There's only one lawgiver. And so sin that leads not to death, I keep quiet, and I go and I pray for that person. And I'll pray on the rooftops and in the public places for so-and-so that they get the act together. No. No, what I do is I go and I privately, quietly pray in genuine love for this person. Psalm 35 is an awesome passage of scripture to look at regarding intercessory prayer. When I call on behalf of another person, I say, God, give to me that I might give to this person. Lord, give to that person. So Luke 11, intercessory prayer starts making sense. Matthew 7, ask and you shall receive, right? It should be given to you. It starts to make sense. It's not random prayer tag-ons. No, it is fitting because when I pray, I ask the Lord to forgive me as I've forgiven others, and I ask God to work in others to be like him and merciful and kind and loving, etc., etc. Trim the fat, God, take it all, it's yours, etc., etc. But when I pray and I ask God to change a person, to walk in his righteousness, the Lord says yes every time. That's the picture we should have of sin. We should abhor what is evil, we should cling to what's good, and what we can't determine, we should wait on God to judge. Judge things in the appropriate time. There's a time. We shouldn't judge before that time, and the Lord's going to do it. So I can wait on him. In the meantime, my job and responsibility is be merciful. In our attempt to, or, or desire, to live Shema, to, to love the Lord our God with our, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and in doing so, love others as we would love ourselves. The, the main highlight, I think, of what we are talking about, of what you just laid out, we start with mercy, and we consider what would have happened if God, for you, Carl, and for me, Ben, I'll just speak for the, just the two of us, if he hadn't started with mercy and had gone straight to judging. I'll tell you this much, you and I would be uh, burning in hell right now. Yeah, yeah. And so if God gives us the blueprint of how we do this, and you just laid out a, a lot of scripture that shows us how exactly do we go about um, correcting, admonishing one another? How exactly do we do that? But we look at God as the example, and God is the example, the first thing that he did with us is that he gave us grace and that he gave us mercy. And we were transformed uh, by it, by his grace and mercy. But if we're looking to what we need to do, we need to start with who has given us the example. Starts and ends with Jesus, and he truly is the beginning and the end. And that actually means a lot more to me each and every year. It's crazy. Living Shema is produced by Benjamin Foote and Carl Wellborn Jr. Our intro and outro music was produced by Jason Vaughn. If you have a question, comment, or quip, please contact us via email at livingshemaofficial at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.